0: Erlon, I will never forget it.
1: Ear Hustle, stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it.
0: Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts.
2: From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Tuesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, calling all qualified developers, Property owners and business owners in DeKalb County, there's money available for you, but hold on. The the Decide DeKalb Development Authority is taking applications for the Kensington Tax Allocation District. We'll find out why and what area the tag will cover, and we'll tell you how they plan to do all of this. Plus, from startup to all grown up, 20 years ago, an email marketing service designed for small businesses was founded. You may have heard of it. It was called MailChimp. Now, the Atlanta based company is being acquired for $12 billion with the B. Co founder and CEO Ben Chestnut shares what's next for MailChimp and its employees. All those conversations coming up on today's program, but first this. Former Cobb County District Attorney Joyette Holmes is one of several DAs appointed to prosecute the Ahmad Arbery case. Now, Arbery was a 25-year-old black jogger who was chased and fairly shot by three white men in February of 2020 down in the Brunswick, Georgia area. Holmes lost her seat last November. But when she spoke to WA, W.A.B.'s excuse me, when she spoke to WABE's All Things Considered host Jim Burris about it, she talked about how the case was handled before, during, and after she left office. Unfortunately, Ahmad Aubrey is no longer here with us, but it certainly led
1: to um, more people listening and paying attention to things that were
2: wrong in our society. Now, you can hear more from Holmes about the Ahmaud Arbery case, including whether she thinks the defendants can get a fair trial. You can hear that entire conversation with Jim at WABE.org. In other news, the Fulton County Board of Health is offering free at-home rapid COVID-19 tests. Why? Well, they want to help slow the spread of the coronavirus. The agency is offering the test kits to people in zip codes with high rates of infection, low vaccination rates, and a high concentration of essential workers. And you can find more about that on their website. Now, Fulton County residents can see if they can qualify online for this COVID test at FultonCounty.org. And the program is a partnership with the National Institutes for Health and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, of course, based here in Atlanta. And it's set to run for a month or until the county runs out of test kits. Again, if you live in Fulton County and you want to see if you qualify for a free at-home rapid COVID-19 tests, then just go to FultonCounty.org. And in other news, another local mall has reportedly been sold. Well, not reportedly, because we just confirmed it. According to our content partners over at Decatur.com, Eaton's the real estate development company that owns the Toco Hill Shopping Center. Well, they have bought North Decab Mall from the Sterling Organization. And you may know for the last few years, North Decab Mall has been basically empty except for a few times when it's been used as a filming location. So we reached out to Edens because we wanted to know if it was true. And in a statement to Closer Look, Senior Vice President for Development for Edens, Herbert Ames, said, quote, For more than 50 years, North DeKalb has enjoyed a great history of commerce and a tradition of bringing people together. It is an honor to be the next steward, a pivotal role with considerable responsibility to transform a 77-acre infield site. We look forward to dialogue with the community as we look to reshape this place for the next 50 years, close quote. Now, Closer Look has also invited Edens to appear on the program and talk about plans for North Decab Mall. Speaking of development, coming up next, Decab County is looking to spruce up a specific corridor in the Kensington District. More on that when Closer Look returns. And Closer Look continues now. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's Choice for NPR. As always, I'm Rose Scott. In a study from the Urban Land Institute about the 10 principles for successful development around transit, at the core was this. If real estate development is to support transit, the single most important requirement is that it be near transit. Close quote. That's a trend not only here in this region, but throughout other major cities such as Boston, Chicago, and Seattle. But what's also key are those corridor corridors around transit. Well, over in DeKalb County, the Decide DeKalb Development Authority has opened up an application process for the Kensington Tax Allocation District. And we'll tell you more about this area in just a moment. But right now, we're going to tell you who should apply and why. Well, joining me now with more is Dorian DeBar, president of Decide DeKalb Development Authority. Dorian, welcome to the program. I appreciate it.
1: Good afternoon, Rose. How are you?
2: Doing all right. Doing all right. How y'all doing over there?
1: Doing great. Doing great. Another beautiful day here in DeCab County.
2: It's not raining?
1: It is raining, but it's always beautiful, even when it's raining.
2: Uh, you get that from Michael Thurman, don't you? Because he always says that. <laughs> Let me get your thoughts on what I just said coming into the segment about development around transit and how important it is. It seems to be a trend the last few years um, throughout the nation. What's your take on that?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, and again, thank you again for having me on the show this afternoon. Um, Urban Land Institute is a great organization. I'm actually a part of that as well. And, and I've been had the pleasure of actually visiting some transit-oriented developments across the country more specifically in Los Angeles. And it definitely makes sense because you're taking some land that's been underutilized typically around these stations, right? Um, mm-hmm. Parking lots, especially here in DeKalb County and throughout the MARTA system. Um, and these parking lots have, are largely underutilized. So how do you convert these into um, and higher best use, activate the community and really leverage the number of bodies and people that actually go through these transit stations every single day? Definitely a great catalyst for economic development and redevelopment. Um, around the country, and we definitely want to see more of that here in DeKalb County.
2: For our listeners who may not be familiar with this area, let's talk about these corridors around the Kensington Marta station. Because it's not just really around the station; it's it's all those corridors. Or is it really you focusing on the, that area right around Kensington, the the Marta station here?
1: So, for the purposes of this conversation, when we're talking about the Kensington Task Allocation District, we're mm-hmm. talking around the Kensington Marta station. Okay. Um, but as you know, and and a lot of the listeners may know, is that we have multiple MARTA stations here in DeKalb County, Mm -hmm. and we want to activate all of those in in an appropriate way. Um, The most recent example would be at the Avondale MARTA station, Mm -hmm. um, where they have some transit oriented development, and it really changes the look and the feel of a community in a positive way, and that's what we want to see more of. So for this conversation, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, finish up. No, for, and, and for this conversation again, we're talking about the Kensington Marta Station which sits along Memorial Drive in unincorporated DeKalb County.
2: So Memorial Drive around Avondale Estates, and but not all the way up to Clarkston, not that far up.
1: Correct. So when we're talking about this particular tax allocation district, we're talking from Kensington Marta Station going northeast all the way toward um, Clarkston along that retail corridor. Uh- and the real catalyst being that Marta Station.
2: How much property are we talking about, Dorian?
1: Ooh, that's a good that's a good question. It's a significant amount of property. So I tell you, within this tag, the larger pieces um, sit at the Marta site, um, when you're talking about right under 100 acres, and then mm-hmm. you're talking about county-owned land as well that's adjacent to this station, on um, Memorial Drive, uh, right by the jail, you're talking about 100-plus acres of unde- undeveloped land. They all sit within this tax allocation district.
2: And for our listeners who may not understand how TADs work, I've had so many conversations about TADs. I'm going to ask you to explain TADs in two sentences, maybe three Two sentences. Three.
1: <laughs> that's not fair.
2: Three and a half, Dorian. <laughs> <laughs> a,
1: a TAD is a is a is a district that's formed to improve a community through the use of public funds. That's three sentences, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy of it. That's the easy it is, it is of a direct, it. <laughs> that's a, it's a direct investment from the public sector into a specific community for redevelopment purposes and to improve the quality of life in that, in that particular district.
2: And why now are you all focusing on this area, on the Kensington Station area?
1: Um, I, I think... A couple of factors. One, um, and I just want to make clear that this particular tax allocation district has been around since 2004. Mm-hmm. So DeKalb County is just not entering the game of tax allocation districts. We have three actually um, that are under the purview of DeKalb County mm-hmm. um, and decide the cab. Um, but why now? For mm-hmm. this particular tag, because there is uh, one, there's a real effort and the focus of Brown redeveloping that Memorial Drive corridor. Um And it's really started with the work by um, the commissioner for that district, which is Commissioner um, Stephen Bradshaw. He mm-hmm. started a process to say, how do we redevelop and reimagine what the Memorial Drive quarters look like and take it back to its former glory? Um, as a native of DeKalb County, I remember Memorial Drive being fascinated by it in the 80s. And we want to all get back there. Right. Mm.
2: Hes so actually- as a result of his study. No, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. No, no you go ahead. <laughs> Okay. We got to so stop doing this, Dorian.
2: Study. No, he's <laughs> right, actually been on the program to talk about this and the importance of it. And I actually got a few emails from people. I asked folks, you know, listen, what do you want? And there were a lot of responses that said they want more eateries, more options for, for restaurants, more just what they call avant guard or eclectic businesses. They wanted that along that stretch of Memorial Drive.
1: Correct, correct. And we all do, right? Um, and so as a result of his study, We said, all right, how can we be supportive as a development authority in DeKalb County? And so we looked to the tools that we have in order to make this happen. And the tax allocation district was one of those tools. Um, We can definitely start beginning to reimagine in Memorial Drive. And so how do you get to those restaurants? You just create a sense of place for communities. Make folks excited and and really have a sense of pride about the communities and make them wanna go out. So you start with the low hanging fruit of, how do we really just change what these areas look like? It can be as simple as streetscape improvements improving the way a road looks, um, adding trees, adding art. Like these are all just low-hanging fruits, and that's what we want to do to this tax allocation district and this open application process.
2: Let's talk about that application process, uh, take our listeners through how all this will work. Now, you all have said, look, you want qualified developers, which we'll get to that in a moment, business owners. That's what you're looking for. When you talk about, let's begin with this qualified business owners. Define that.
1: So we're looking for individuals that have a wherewithal or a vision with respect to their business, right? So we want to make sure you are part of the community. You have every intent to stay within the community and be, um, uh, and going forward. Um, and we're going to do this together. Um, and qualified, meaning that you have somewhat of the financial structure and wherewithal in place in order to see this through, because our grant, um, Rose is just, a, it's a, it's a match, right? So mm-hmm. we are going to bring a, a portion of the cost. Um, to decide the care we'll cover a third of the project costs. We want you to have the wherewithal and the ability to to, to carry afford forward to cover the remaining two-thirds. So that's what we mean by qualified. Um, but I'd be happy to tell you that uh, we know folks that work in this space, and we'll be happy to connect the business owner with not only um, the folks that can help you make this facade improvement happen or any other project that may make sense. Um, but we can connect you there. We can also connect you with financing sources, in order to see it through, to cover that additional two third that you need to come up with,
2: is there before we get to business owners? Is there a I don't, don't want to you know uh, insult anyone, but is there a business that you don't think you all need right now over there?
1: You know that's a good question, and, and we don't want to insult anyone, right? But I think when you're talking about, especially when these redevelopment projects, and I'm going to lean more so on our policies, um, we're not interested in in financing or funding what they call those sin businesses here in the state of georgia
2: Uh, now okay now now (laughs) (laughs) that's what i get for asking that question um because sin is could be you know subjective yeah uh, correct correct want to be fair correct,
1: correct 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 definitely fair um so you know without being too specific definitely don't want to see a proliferation of businesses that are already there. So you're talking about liquor stores and things that the community would like to see one of, not 100 of, right, um, and, and things of that nature. So those are the ones we wouldn't be interested in, 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 in um, serving with this with this grant. We want to bring a different mix to the community. Mm-hmm. And again, we already have a certain element there, and we just want to bring a, a different mix and a different level of, uh, of quality to the community, if that makes sense.
2: Gotcha, and I just see two emails that popped up, so I'll take responsibility for those. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about then for business owners. If someone wants to relocate from within DeKalb County, and if they're, they've had a viable small business, does that give them a little bit of an advantage because they've been in the county, they've been, they've you know, successful for you know, or maybe just at least have maintained some some sustainability there? Does that give them an edge in the application process? You think?
1: Um, I would think so and so I, I, also, I also want to make clear there's a process by which we're going to grade and look at all of these applications so there's not one over the other right mm-hmm. uh, we want to look at again the wherewithal of the business in order to make this happen because we want to see this happen so now, when we set aside our dollars to fund this project we want to make sure that you can see it through the, through the closing through the finish line um, beyond that yes we have the ability to say all right if you're an existing business already here in DeKalb County you definitely deserve a few extra points uh, for that and for positioning and sticking and sticking with us, right? Um, so we definitely can give it that level of, of look. But I just want to make it clear, we we are open for business in DeKalb County. We love our local businesses and we want to attract more.
2: Well, Doran, you know that developers may have may be able to come in with a little bit more capital, obviously in financing, as opposed to a small business owner. So are you all going to grade this also in terms of we only want a percentage of? developers we only only want a percentage of property owners or business owners because you I, you know there are tons of developers all throughout Atlanta you know
1: no I mean, correct correct and, and and our focus is and a part of the reason why we're on this call is where we want folks that are here in the community now to know about it first if that makes sense so while this is an open application we are making a real concerted effort and being extremely deliberate about who we're talking to the most about this because we want those local businesses and small business owners that are already in the community to thrive and grow with us. So, if a larger developer hears about it, sure, we'll definitely work with them as well. But our goal and our focus right now is to make sure that folks within the community that were a part of this planning process that has always asked for these sorts of tools and these sorts of uh, programs that they hear about it first.
2: If you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with Dorian DeBar. He's president of Decide the Cab Development Authority. And we're talking about the Kensington Tax. The TAD that you all are now open, using to open up the application process, and again, this is for development around the Kensington Marta station. It is you talked about community here, so how much input or have you all already received from the community? I mentioned earlier that when Steve Bradshaw was on the program, we had folks email and said, "Look, we'd love more eateries." But you all, you also have you had a feasibility study to see what folks want and see what would possibly thrive in this corridor?
1: Sure. So we're leaning on two things and great question. One, we're leaning on what we did about three years ago, which was a strategic economic development plan for all of DeKalb County. So we had plenty of open meetings, plenty of conversation with community stakeholders, community leaders about the direction they'd like to see DeKalb kind of go within. So we're leaning on that particular study that was completed in 2018. Um, And we're also leaning on um, the study of Commissioner Brashaw, which specifically focuses on this corridor and what those community members would like to see. So through the lens and through by reviewing both of those studies collectively, we've come up with what we think is a robust program and a program that folks would like and a program that specifically points to the needs identified through both of those studies.
2: And this is not just for you talking about having brick and mortar businesses. You also want to make sure there's some green space involved as well. Because still, folks love Absolutely. green space. We love our trees. We don't want to forget about our tree folks.
1: Absolutely. So there are two programs. So through this particular TAD, we have two programs open right now. One is for facade improvements, right, and grants programming. The other is around safety, security, and, and a green space grant. Because to your point, we want to see both of those move in a positive direction. And once those change in a positive direction, that really sparks economic development at its core. and it improves the quality of life folks are excited about going and shopping in their community and they stay and spend more in their communities. Right. So we want to make sure we hit both of those. I want to see more green space along the Memorial Drive corridor and all of those studies and plans that I specifically and recently spoke to speak to that.
2: Well, let's talk about then transit because you are around the MARTA station. So obviously that's a lure. People can take the train right into this once it's this district, once it's developed, but also too, folks may say, well, look, what about other modes of transportation? how, Accommodating will this be for folks if they want to walk, if there's folks on their bikes, folks on the scooters? You know, what role does actual transit modes play into this development as well? A
1: great deal. And a part of all of these studies speaks to how do you move people around more easily? How do you make it a more biking-friendly community, more pedestrian-friendly community, right? And we're going to look at all of those with respect to individuals that may apply for funding through this grant. And so, if you tell us you want to do streetscape improvements, well, what does that look like? Does that include biking lanes? Does it include more pedestrian access? Does it include wider sidewalks? And we love to support that, and we can do this. Granted, we and we will. Um, and beyond that, again, we just really want to activate these communities so that the community can feel um, um, as though they're a part of it. Um, they they can feel safe, um, and they just want to be um, in the community and just really enjoy walking around. And we really want to create that. And and again, it starts with programs such as this Mm -hmm. and then the other economic development falls in line.
2: There was something else in that Urban Land Institute that I talked about coming into the program about those 10 principles about development around transit. And I love this one. It says, get the parking right. Because you and I Mm -hmm. both know if parking is a nightmare, folks don't want to deal with that sometimes. So have you all Mm -hmm. looked at how parking, although we, we know it's near the the, the train station but have y'all looked at you know how much do you have to devote to parking
1: you know that's a good question and so the parking piece is where our partners come in um, those folks that look at this each and every single day so you're talking about planning and our sustainability department over in DeKalb county and you're also talking about the folks over at MARTA, and they're, they're they are very mindful of that conversation and they're mindful about how much parking do they need and how much parking this community needs and so through the efforts of MARTA, i feel extremely confident confident in the direction that they're going and just the conversations we're having and that they want to activate this underutilized space at this parking lot at the Kensington Marta station. And they will. Um, and they've already have the vehicle counts. They know exactly what they need going forward. Um, and so to your point, we're all moving in the same direction with respect to let's decrease the parking, but have enough, but also have some form of economic development and improve these communities
2: Dorian, how long will the application process be open for folks?
1: It will be open until the funds are exhausted. So um, we have... Uh, How much money y'all got? With, we got about <laughs> Great question. So we, it's split across two programs. The one program, the facade Improvement Program. We have 135 available, 135,000. Um, and on the other program... The for safety, individuals,
2: security. for each individual or just in general?
1: In general, one pot for individuals to go for. Right. So it's limited funds. Um, and then on the other side, the safety, security, and green space grant, we have another 135,000. So not a lot of funds but we definitely want to get uh, a bang for our buck with respect to the funds we do have available
2: can y'all get some more because i can imagine someone listening saying dorian that's not a whole lot
1: we hope to get more of it and stay tuned so what i'll do is in a year we'll come back and talk and i'll tell you what more we have a year a year
2: (laughs) it's gonna take a year to go through (laughs) the applications
1: oh no 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 with respect to more funding being available so no my hope is that we get these funds out the door as quickly as possible but the way that tax allocation districts work, um, they are funded entirely by property taxes within sure. an area. So as you know, we get we pay our property taxes once per year. So we'll get additional funding this year, and we'll have more funding next year through this TAD.
2: Then what is the timeline do you all see when we could start actually seeing some development take place? You know, we, we want to see the cranes out there. We want to see the bulldozers. We want to see stuff happening.
1: I would definitely say um, it is coming. I don't want to be held to a time. (laughs) Why not, Dorian? (laughs) Um, But it's definitely coming. I'm confident about projects, uh, individuals and and, and entities we're talking to about development along the corridor and specifically folks that are interested in this grant. So more to come. Definitely coming down the pipe.
2: Before I let you go, once again, let's let the listeners know what you are looking for when you talk about, you know, encouraging property owners and developers and, and, and business owners to apply for this, this TAD, this, this project. What are you looking for?
1: So we want folks that have always been in the community to know that we're here, the public sector is stepping up, and we are ready to invest in you the same way that you have invested in DeKalb County for so many years. So we're looking for individual property owners and investors that may want to improve the interior, the exterior appearance of their of their buildings. Um, And we're in this together. Uh, We want you to know that we're serious about economic development. And this is just one of many programs and initiatives coming down the pipe.
2: You gonna have an ice cream place over there? (laughs) Unless
1: you and I talk about that went offline.
2: (laughs) Dorian DeBar, president of Decide, Cab Development Authority. We'll have a link to their application process. Dorian, thank you so much for taking the time. Keep us posted, okay? Thank you, Rose. And Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. As always, I'm Rose Scott. Here's a quote. We're misfits. I've always been out of place wherever I've lived, and you just kind of have to embrace that. That's the thing that makes you different. That's the thing that's going to make you brave. Close quote. That's from Ben Chestnut in a 2017 interview with Inc. Magazine. It was the same year MailChimp was named Inc.'s company of the year. The Atlanta-based email marketing business has come a long way since being founded 20 years ago. In fact, it's come so far, MailChimp will be absorbed. That's a fancy way of saying it will be bought by financial software company Intuit in a major acquisition deal worth $12 billion. Let's get more about the details, what this means for MailChimp, a little bit of the origin story of MailChimp. Ben Chestnut is the CEO and co-founder, and he joins me now. And of disclosure, MailChimp is a... Financial supporter of WABE, but Ben, welcome anyway.
3: Thanks for having me, Rose.
2: Let's begin here because in that Inc. article, I and I chuckled when I read this because you cited an employee said, "You need leadership training."
3: <laughs> <laughs> I really did, and I got that training, by the way. Let's talk uh,
2: about yeah. that. When, and when that employee said, first of all, you didn't. The employee still had a job, right? When they said that.
3: She's my chief communications officer. She got promoted. <laughs> that's the culture that we have. If you give constructive criticism, uh, you, you go places at MailChimp.
2: Let's talk about your leadership training. What are those leadership nuggets you think you've learned in these last 20 years with, with MailChimp?
3: I've learned a lot. I mean, in the, in the early years, it's all about how important product is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how you get a startup going. And then when the startup becomes a grown-up, you learn how important people are. You know, it just sort of shifts. And so it's all about product and people when you're running a software company. And, you know, w- w- the, the bigger you get, the more you have to communicate with your people. Uh, we call them peeps at MailChimp. So you're, you're always talking to your peeps and uh, giving them the vision. Also listening, listening mm-hmm. hard and change fast. You know, that's our internal motto. So, oh, my gosh, I, I don't know that we have enough time to talk about what I've learned about leadership. Uh <laughs> there's so much
2: well what about the, the mistakes then that you had to learn along the way and was that difficult for you
3: yeah i'm, I'm the type of person who uh really internalizes things and I'm, I'm very hard on myself so every tiny mistake that i make you know if i send an email and i think i look back at it and say i just could use an apostrophe over here, <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm very hard on yourself, and that might might be one of the first things you have to to realize about leadership is like you can't you can't be too serious about yourself, you can't take it too hard or too personally. And that's something that I think I'm still learning uh, myself. But you know, most of the mistakes that I've made in business are the same darn mistakes I've made in life. Mm-hmm. They all come back from one thing: not listening. It's not listening enough.
2: I definitely understand that. Let's go back, Ben, because the MailChimp we know today, is it fair to say it grew out of another failed business model? And is that, was that one of those life, life or company business learning lessons, one of those nuggets?
3: Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I started my first business when I was in second grade, and it's just been evolving and pivoting for uh, 47 years now. <laughs> but yeah, I think that the, the story that I like to tell is how we started with with a, a dream to build an e-greetings company, just like uh, Blue Mountain Greetings way back in the day, you know, when they were bought by Excite for $600 million, you know, I had mm-hmm. this idea we can do an e greeting site. And so we, we tried to do that and it did not work. But the code that was left over was something that we used to build MailChimp for small businesses.
2: What was that moment like for you and your co-founder? I mean, there had to be some, some revelation where you all said, you know what, this, this ain't happening. This is not working and we need to shift. You remember that moment? You remember that conversation? I know you do.
3: Well, yeah. Well, first of all, it's it's not necessarily one little quick moment like a spark or a moment of fire or energy. It's more like a year of draining your energy Mm -hmm. and realizing this is just not going to work the way that we're running things now. And then you just feel like complete failures. And then you have this idea, like, wait, we've we've got this spare code, we've got this thing. It's it's got potential, and it's a moment of inspiration. But you know what happened? It's it. I remember that moment. What I remember is. It was about 1 a.m. when we decided we were gonna do this and we were gonna be serious. And it was the most joyous occasion that I can remember in my life at that time. And I remember getting my car so happy, ready to drive home. Maybe i would meet my wife. She'd be coming back from night shift at Grady. uh, And I could tell her about this. And I got pulled over for running a red light by a Georgia Tech (laughs) police officer. So that... (laughs) And let me tell you something, Rose. Uh, This last week on the final days of negotiating this deal, I was I was trying to make it home from a meeting so I could get on the phone and talk about the the the, the last few points left to be negotiated. I got pulled over for running a stop sign. Uh, so like it's perfect full circle moment for yeah, me. Yeah, but like you anytime- need to
2: stop. You need to obey all the you know standard traffic moving violation laws. There
3: been. Um- <laughs> I really do. I need to be less excited about the future and just worry about the now, especially stop signs. <laughs> well, let me, let me- I, don't, I don't know how to stop. Well, you it's all go you you me.
2: better learn. <laughs> let me let me ask you this because, at what point though, in terms of when Mailchimp had got started and its existence, but at what point did y'all feel like okay, we can sustain this? In other words, this is going to be profitable. Two years in, five years in, a decade in. When did you really feel comfortable? Like okay, this this little company, this little startup, is going to work.
3: About five years ago, fifteen years in really yeah i think that when you're a founder what most people don't realize is like you just remember the early days when you're just scrounging and you're just making it you're earning penny by penny by penny and you just you're just always scared and paranoid that it could fail tomorrow and that kind of pressure it doesn't go away for a long time for me it was 15 years uh, and i don't know what what it was i think somebody told me like ben it's not gonna it's not gonna just fail in one day and you lose it all it's going to be more like a long, slow, painful, embarrassing death, if anything. <laughs> and so that that made me less scared of, you know, complete sudden failure and a little bit more scared of, Wow, this has got to, I've got to really grow and innovate and sustain this this legacy of ours. So it got rid of one pressure and just gave me new pressure. Yeah, really. But it was it was it was like five years ago.
2: <laughs> interesting. If you just join us, I'm in a very interesting conversation with Ben Chestnut. He's a CEO and co-founder of MailChimp. I want to talk about the folks who helped build MailChimp along the way. And those are your employees. How many folks are still with you from those early years or even when you all started? How many of those same folks are still with you, Ben?
3: You know, I have quite a few people who've been with us 10 years. Um, I've got a couple on the executive leadership team who've been here more than 10 years. I know that uh, the, the one, the, 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 the young woman who told me that I needed leadership training has been with us for 12 years. Um, so I have quite a few and I'm really proud of that. Um, I, I couldn't tell you, I would say maybe a dozen, around a dozen or so have been with us 10 plus years. What, so it's what, been a long, been long, a long ride. Time?
2: what yeah. was going through your mind in terms of when you were negotiating with Intuit and you thinking about these folks, especially too, and thinking about all your employees, I'm assuming, but especially these folks here and thinking about all the the work, not only you, but they put into helping build MailChimp. And now you're, you know, you're going to sell the company basically,
3: you know, you know, a couple of things, um, yeah my co-founder Dan and I, one of the things that we thought about is the conversations we would have with some of them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Some of them have been with us for the longest time and they've they put in a lot of hard work and some of them are just like amazing, positive, good-hearted spirits of the company that we just, we just can't wait. And unfortunately, we haven't had, we, we haven't uh, been able to do that yet. It's still coming, but like, we have to have these conversations with people about transaction bonuses that they're going to get. And so we know that we're going to cry when we talk to them about it. We know that they're going to cry. There's going to be a lot of Kleenex involved. Um, and then I think about what they're probably going to do for their communities. I know a lot of these people care a lot about giving back, and I just wonder what, what they're going to be able to do uh, when that happens.
2: But let's go back for a moment, because then why, hearing you talk about these folks, and the culture. Yeah. yeah. Then why now was the time to to let Mailchimp go to into it?
3: I get that question a lot. Um and I I think when I think about it there wasn't really anything special about the now. Really not at all. It was more like we, we've got this mission to serve small businesses and grow, right? And we're expanding from just an email newsletter tool, which most people know us for, mm-hmm. into this platform that lets small businesses, you know, build a website and do all kinds of marketing from one place. And that's a big mission. And, you know, I've, I've told people, I've shared with them this, this, this there's this African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, and I've repeated that a lot to our peeps, you know, and it's more about how we have to work, you know, uh, as a team inside of MailChimp. But that proverb was going through my head um, recently and and I got a knock on the door, you know, and it was from Alex Chris at Intuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs QuickBooks and, and he talked about the plight of small business, how they've been doing it. He's been there for 17 years, how QuickBooks helps small businesses. And I knew that firsthand because I used to use QuickBooks back mm-hmm. in the early days. And so we just started talking about small businesses and how we're both here on the same mission, same purpose. And I just thought, wow, this is just out of the blue, an opportunity to work with a partner that knows exactly what our purpose is and what our mission is, but we can do it bigger. And they've been doing this for 38 years. And so, I mean, it just felt like just an amazing opportunity to do something great together with someone.
2: Does the MailChimp model change at all. You you have talked about in that article that I mentioned that I read and you talked about why free was so important and yeah. how you all change does any aspect of that change, will you have any input or whatever Intuit wants to do that could they change the whole male MailChimp model?
3: First of all, um I'm still the CEO. I'm not going anywhere. A lot of people think I've sold this thing and I'm retiring. Uh and that that scares me to even think about that. No, I'm doing this because I'm really invigorated by this idea of having a great partner like this. So I'm I'm all in for the long term here. Really excited about this. Um, they love the freemium model that we have. Mm-hmm. So they're you know this it's that's the essence of our brand and what we do that got them attracted to us in the first place.
2: What about the employees, Ben? What about those folks that you've just been talking about that you yeah. love? That's a family. You know, yeah. I'm sure you they may what. be wondering about their jobs. Yeah, they, what, what have you negotiated that with Intuit? Say, look, if I'm to stay, yeah. my folks have to stay. Those that want to stay.
3: Those that want to stay. Yes, that's right. And, you know, even further than that, Rose, we had a town hall where, where uh, Sasan Gudarzi, and Alex Chris came and spoke and just told people outright, you know, they all have jobs at QuickBooks. Uh, so, you know, they don't want anybody to go. So, yeah. But
2: maybe they don't want to work for QuickBooks. Maybe they want to work for MailChimp.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, MailChimp is going to be a brand within within the Intuit portfolio. Okay. So, technically, we'll be working for MailChimp. Um, we're going to be a, a separate product. That's the plan. Okay. Uh, they want small businesses to be able to use MailChimp and they want people, small businesses, to be able to use QuickBooks as well. And I just, you know, I remember being a user, you know, what part of their dream is like with, With QuickBooks, a small business can manage their accounting and all of their business from inside there and get paid, but they haven't been able to help small businesses grow their business. And that's what they can, that's what they add to their uh, services with MailChimp. So
2: you see this as a plus for your already existing clients and they won't get lost among the other clients that Intuit already has. You see this as they're going to get some enhancements.
3: I do. And I'm not saying that as a business person saying this is a good strategy on paper. I'm saying this as Dan and I fly out and we visit customers and we watch, we stand behind them and we watch how they do their work. And they are frustrated because they have to log into this app. They have to log into that, this app, they have to pay all these different bills. They would love for it all to be in one place.
2: For those employees who have been there, whether it's for 10, 15 years or for two years, you mentioned this transactional bonus. Does, does it mean everybody gets a little bit of something? Is that what you're saying? It's $12 billion. It's a lot.
3: Yeah, well, every every employee is going to get a um, what we call a transaction bonus, and that's from Ben and Dan. In addition to that, uh, every employee is going to get equity and into it. They're going to get stock as well. Um, so it's going to be a... We haven't been able to talk about all the details right now. Uh, When I think about it, I cry. (laughs) Um, But when the time comes, we'll be able to talk more about that. And then it's one of those things where it's a massive undertaking. we got to get the details right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And unfortunately, it's not something we could come out right out the gates talking about. But it's something that's going to happen closer to the closing of the deal.
2: How long were you all in negotiations, Ben?
3: Feels like forever. But no, we've been talking sort of conversational about it. Um, whether or not this was right, I mean, after doing this for 21 years, I'm not just gonna, you know, snap my fingers and do a deal. Mm-hmm. Like I had to make sure that they were right, the right partners, their culture was right. So it was September 15th of last year that I first started talking with Alex, and then I got to know more and more of the team. So in a way, this is a one-year undertaking. But you know, when we when did we get serious negotiating things? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's months, not years. Um but i can't I can't remember. I can't remember when things when 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 we crossed the line and started talking real business here. What
2: has been some of the feedback challenging, or some folks saying you shouldn't have done it that you can share?
3: Well, I mean, it's mixed reactions, of course. i mean we we we're a private company for twenty one years. Some people were surprised about it. Um, but I think the overwhelming majority of the feedback that I'm getting in my inbox is employees are really excited about the opportunity. I mean, they love MailChimp for the magic that we are right now, um, the way that we built the business our way. Uh, we're, I hope that we're an inspirational role model for other entrepreneurs out there who want to bootstrap their way. Right, Not everybody can go get VC funding mm-hmm. uh, like other tech companies. So there's a lot about that that's really inspirational. But People also recognize we've got to grow, too. As we get bigger and more successful and serve more customers around the globe, we have to grow. And so you have to change. You have to change your culture a little bit, too. And this is just going to be an exciting catalyst for that kind of change.
2: Well, Ben, but you also, going back to that article, you also admitted that, you know, diversity in terms of employees was, I don't know if it was challenging for you, but you had looked around and you said at one point you were the only person of color. That work there? Is that true?
3: Um, are you, the only, that, you the
2: only non-white face in a seven-person C-suite? Let me just get that correct. So has diversity uh-huh. been an issue for you all in terms of personnel? And would you are you hopeful that that will improve now with this? I think, Go ahead. Yeah,
3: I, I think that diversity and inclusion are extremely important at Miltro because we think that that is what begets creativity and you know creativity begets innovation and that begets business so that's it's all this virtuous circle and so it's like the the inclusion part I think is the really hard part you know when you're in Atlanta diversity is not as, as much of an issue like you you have all kinds of diverse talent and that's what I love so much about this city. Yeah
2: but y'all haven't been able to attract it have you or what's the issue if, if Atlanta's is great which we know it is then what has been you think the challenge for MailChimp because it looking at your workforce it it struggled with I, diversity.
3: I think that um, if you look at some of our numbers, I think that our our diversity is actually pretty good compared to tech companies out there. But the whole industry has got its work cut out for us. No one is at no one is perfect, and everyone's got a lot of work to do. Generally, in all industries, I mean, I think we we have to admit that. Um, but I think that we're we're learning as we go, and we've got you know our eyes are open, our hearts are open. We're we're here to learn, and yes, I actually do think that. Uh, Intuit has, has, has got a lot of experience in this area and can help us as well.
2: At any point, did you think, you know, let me, let me, let me step back. Maybe now is not the time. Did, at any, with this, in these negotiations with Intuit, did you, at any point where you're like, yeah, maybe now is not the time. Did you have any hesitation at all?
3: Uh, no, no, Rose. I mean, I think that once, I was very, very careful. This was, remember a year of discussions and a year of getting to know their culture and their executives and, and members of their team. And what we found in all of our work is working with them is, wow, these people are customer obsessed just like we are. Uh, we would have discussions and you know, the way that they would end is what does the customer need? What does the mm-hmm. customer want? What's best for the customer? And that's just like us at MailChimp. So once, once I did my own due diligence, I was all in. There was there was never any hesitancy there. This is perfect for our company, uh and our people.
2: You've been in Atlanta, you all have been headquartered in Atlanta. Uh I've come over there full disclosure and done some interviews and you're well you were in Ponce City Market, love the space, by the way, I love Brick. Is that gonna change at all? Will MailChimp stay in Atlanta, you think? At least this division, this department of intuit? What can you yeah, share? We're st-
3: we're we're all in on Atlanta. We're staying. Um, you know, when when um, when Alex and Sasan came over to visit a couple of months ago, um, we had breakfast and we talked a lot about business. And you know what? They I I thought we spent fifty percent of our time talking about Atlanta. They are very, very interested in the city. They're excited about it being a tech hub for them. They know that we have other companies moving from the West Coast over to Atlanta too, Microsoft, Twitter, uh, and on and on and on. And they're really excited about it. And I was was nervous because like you said, we're in Pond City Market, but we just did a deal for a building right across the street. Mm Uh, that's a lot that we invested in the city. And then the pandemic happened. So, you know, that was causing me a little bit of stress. Um, but I'm convinced we're all gonna be back there someday. But I was a little stressed by that. And when they came to our office, they asked so many questions about the new building. They wanted to see it. We had to give them this tour and she pointed out the window at the construction right across the street. They wanted to know about the Belt Line. We walked them over to the other window, showed them all the all the people walking and cycling. And this was right after breakfast. It was early. people were still on that Belt Line. It was mm-hmm. crowded, and they they just love the idea. And so, they're excited. They're looking to invest in the city. Um, and so, no, I I don't think that anybody needs to be worried about uh, us leaving Atlanta. We're all in on this city. We all love right. Atlanta.
2: Well, we got you on tape, Ben. So if
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. something
2: else happens, you, you gotta you gotta own up. You gotta own up to it, buddy.
3: I'll, I'll be right back here with Rose Scott. You uh, <laughs> hold me accountable. Yes,
2: Ben. <laughs> Everyone loves a great startup story. You know that people love a great startup. You all didn't get a lot of investors for Mailchimp, correct? You did you? It's a true. You had no, no VC. Invest- yeah.
3: And and we we got zero investors, and we just you know, I, we did it our way. We did it a very different way. We wanted to prove that you could you could run a business, be good to your people, be good to your customers. You know. What i hear from my employees is like w- when we look back you know we can be really proud of the way that we did it we were not <laughs> corporate a-holes you know that's what i hear you know ex- excuse the language there but um <laughs> we, we did it in, in our compassionate authentic way and um you know I'm, I'm most proud of that and i remember when i first started this business 21 years ago I was scared to death of taking the leap because I didn't have any business experience. I didn't go to business school. I was a designer. Um, But, but I wanted to do it. And someone told me, you can't be scared all your life. You got to take the leap and try it. And I just didn't want to, you know, get on my deathbed and regret not trying. And so I took the leap and I just hope that this is inspiring to other people out there uh, who can't get VC funding, uh, but who want to grow a business. It can be done and it doesn't have to be in Silicon Valley either.
2: And then, 12 billion dollars that ain't <laughs> bad um ben can't complain yeah ben chestnut ceo and co-founder of mailchimp as we told you been acquired by intuit ben thank you so much for taking time coming on answering all the questions we really appreciate it
3: thank you rose thanks for having me
2: and a note of disclosure mailchimp is an underwriter of wabe And that's it for this edition of Closer Look. A reminder to let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other. Send me an email, rose at wabe.org. And if you missed any of day's program, it's always online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And, of course, you know Closer Look weeknights at 7, and we have a podcast, too. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott.